And the Lakers are always seeing me at the top. Just because, you know, there's nothing like I see from them where it takes, like, I can say that a team can beat them in a seven-game series. Hello and welcome to the Friday, January 8th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're all having a fantastic Friday or whenever you're watching this. And thank you so much for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. But before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would be highly appreciated. We're almost at 20 subscribers, so continue to show some love. And for all the podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. If you're in the U.S. or outside of Canada, just send me the review and I'll definitely give you a shout-out. And as for Spotify, Anchor, and Podbean listeners, just continue to show your support. Listen to the, ep- to the episodes. Uh, that would be highly appreciated. And yeah, I have a great show lined up for you today. Um, today, uh, we're going to be talking about um, the COVID issue that happened last night, after, um, right before the Philadelphia Brooklyn game. We're going to be talking about the crazy MVP race that's going on right now in the NBA, some unfortunate injuries, and more. So sit back, relax, and let's get into the first topic. But before we get into that, how are you guys liking the sound, by the way? I just got a new mic. I got a ring light here as well to help with the lighting a bit. So. Yeah, I'm excited for stuff um, for this podcast to really um, move forward here, getting better quality, especially on the audio and visual side. So hopefully you guys definitely see the difference, and it definitely enhance and hopefully it enhances your your experience listening to this. So yeah, now that we got out the way, let's get into the first topic, and we're gonna be starting with the COVID issue that happened last night. Prior to the start of the 76ers and Brooklyn Nets game. Um, 76er Seth Curry tested positive for COVID-19. Now, this was very interesting because this um, was something that they learned um, prior to the game, but the game was already tipped off, so um, they couldn't really do anything about it. And yeah, they were just alerted and Seth had to isolate right away. As for the 76ers, they're going to have to isolate in New York for the time being. We don't know how long that is. I know I know, 76er big man Joel Embiid wants to isolate with his family more than anything. And this just seems to be the first big hurdle of this NBA season so far. We knew positive cases were inevitable. And now that something like this has happened, especially with a player who has participated in team activities, who has been around the team, how the NBA is going to respond for this, respond to this. There's definitely going to be a lot more testing, but a lot of the question still remains. How many teams does this affect? How Does this affect their opponents from their prior games? Does this affect the Brooklyn Nets? We're not 100% sure yet. It is still a very, um, it's still kind of, I'm not going to say unknown, but it's something that um, I think the NBA is going to have to deal with, like, head on. Like, this is, I think, th- there's probably some protocols that will happen, but... In this type of scenario, especially where Seth Curry was participating prior to the game and shoot around and stuff like that, they didn't have the test results back. 
and then they came out and that they were positive. This um, definitely hampers what the NBA was trying to do here. And like I said, they did. They probably didn't want this this early into the season. What are we like? Most teams are like seven, eight games in. This is not something that they, the NBA wanted to start off with, but this is where the NBA is going to have to prove like that they can handle this. They were able to do this in the bubble, but this is their first adversity when um, during this regular season because um, we know the travel issues are happening. They had to move um, the Toronto Raptors to Tampa to avoid just over-the-border stuff. And now there's still there's cases like coming along. I know the Bulls, like one of the Bulls players also had a COVID case, but they were able to track it right away and kind of get him isolated so he doesn't really affect his teammates. This is something that happened prior to the game, so this is definitely going to be interesting to see what the NBA does. Because I definitely don't think they want to halt the season, especially with the way it's going right now. They have this kind of concrete plan and stuff like that. They want to have this um, season continue um, with very little problems as possible. So this is where the NBA is going to have to show their worth. This is where they're going to have to show that they're able to follow these guidelines. They're able to deal with this COVID um, issue that they have here. And let's see like, how they're going to respond. The NFL has done it in multiple... Uh, in, by doing it by um, postponing games and stuff like that. It's going to be interesting to see if the NBA will do the same with the 76ers. So it's unfortunate right now, especially this early into the season, but hopefully the NBA will figure this out. Let's move on to this. Because the 76ers have been um, one of the best teams in the league so far. I know they lost yesterday to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they looked really sluggish last night. The Brooklyn Nets looked um, pretty motivated. Um, Kyrie couldn't play yesterday due to personal reasons. No, um, I was about to do a topic on that, but, you know, hopefully Kyrie is doing okay and stuff. I mean, maybe had to do something with Capitol Hill. I don't want to assume things, but hopefully he's okay. But back to the 76ers. They've had one, they're, I think, having one of the best records in the league so far. Definitely the best in the East. And they're doing it with, um, their main star, Joel Embiid, playing at an extremely high level. And you can really make the argument that maybe, just maybe, Joel Embiid should be in the MVP discussion. I was hoping for that to happen last year, but so far this year, he's been playing very, very well. You know, averaging 25 points a game, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks. And this got me thinking, who are some of the early MVP candidates that are in the league right now? Well, you could point to the usuals. LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant, one healthy. James Harden went healthy as just like you know, some of the typical candidates. But in my opinion, some of the top guys um, for MVP right now are some players that you won't expect. And not really expect, I mean, because they're really good players still. But it's unlike, you know, other years that this award happened, um, that this like these award races happened because there was a lot of guards, there was a lot of forwards. But now I think like some of the, um, most of this MVP race, as of um, January 8th right now, it's a lot to do with like a lot of these big men that are playing ex- at an extremely high level. So let's talk about them because we could talk about LeBron. We could talk about Steph. We could talk about KD. But that's boring. They're always going to be in the conversation every year. But here's some other candidates that definitely need to um, get shown some love. One of them being Joel Embiid, as I mentioned earlier. 25.3 points per game. 11.7 rebounds. 1.9 blocks per game. 
He is playing at an extremely high level, and he is trying to take back that crown as best center in the league. You know, and you could tell that Joel Embiid's game is kind of changing right now for the better. And you could see it when he is operating with the ball. Usually with Joel Embiid, he kind of tries to force a shot. If not, he kind of makes an errant pass after he gets stopped. But today, but in this um, year, Joel Embiid's game has added a lot more patience. You can tell that he wants to get to his spots. You can tell he's trying to read the defense. And he's playing at an extremely high level. He wants that best center in the league crown because last year, you know, with the injuries and the lack of 76er success, Nicole Jokic has taken over that conversation. And Joel Embiid right now, you know, higher shooting percentages as he had in previous years. I think that he's finally over 50%, which is very good. He's hitting the three ball. He's playing well on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He is playing absolutely fantastic so far this season. He should definitely be in the running. And speaking of the best center in the game, Nikola Jokic is right up there with him in, in the MVP race. In my opinion, he's ahead of him. Not because of the record, because the Denver Nuggets right now sit at 3-5. and five. It has not been a kind start to them. But the only play- player that's keeping them afloat so far this season has been Nikola Jokic. Last night in that loss to the Dallas Mavericks, Jamal Murray came out the gates firing. He was playing absolutely fantastic. And it was kind of the opposite of most of these other games. Nicole Jokic went off to a slow start, and Jamal Murray was the one on fire. When in most of these games, Jokic was the one who had a hot start, and Jamal Murray was, um, you know, struggling. But that only happened in the first half because Jamal Murray kind of disappeared in the second half. Nicole Jokic, especially in that fourth quarter and overtime period, was playing fantastic. He finished off yesterday scoring 38 points. 11 rebounds, and a measly 4 assists for Nikola Jokic. A measly 4 assists. Like, come on, Joker. <laughs> You're supposed to be one of the best passing big men. No, no, I, I'm just joking here. But he's had a fantastic season. Averages of 24 and a, um, 25 points per game, 12 rebounds, um, just under 10 assists. He is playing absolutely fantastic. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has just been phenomenal this, so far this season. I mean, he's averaging a triple-double as a big man. Right here, right now. And this is unlike Nikola Jokic from previous years. He usually would struggle early in the season. But, um, and then find of, kind of find himself, um, kind of find his footing in December and January. But this year, the NBA season started in December and January. So maybe that is what changed things. But so far, if I had to pick kind of an, I know like he has not been, you know, has been on the best team. But he's definitely up there for MVP candidacy. And hopefully he can keep it up for the rest of the season. And hopefully the Denver Nuggets, you know, start getting some wins. Because I do want to see, you know, some other people like that you wouldn't expect in this conversation to win it. I mean, Joel Embiid after last year, there's still a chance. But everyone's going to be looking at those main guys. You know, LeBron, Steph, KD, Harden. It's very easy to look at those guys. Luka Doncic, you can add to that group as well. But these guys playing at a high level right now, especially at the big man position, they definitely deserve some love. And I know this next person I'm going to be talking about is definitely not going to win MVP. But he's playing at a level right now that we need to talk about. And if the season ended today, I think he would be in top four an MVP candidate. Would be a top four MVP candidate. And I'm not even joking here. I'm talking about Julius Randle. 23 points per game. 12 rebounds per game. Almost 8 assists a game. 
on a five and three New York Knicks team. You heard that right, a five and three New York Knicks team. They've been overachieving. <laughs> That's what it really is. And Julius Randle has had some phenomenal games this year. Him and RJ Barrett, you know, working together pretty well this year. And he's and one of the biggest changes you could see in Julius Randle's game and RJ Barrett's game. And you can maybe attribute this to the whole team. They're playing the Tom Thibodeau system. Play hard on the defensive end. And, you know, the offense, will, you'll get it eventually. Julius Randle's playing on just under 40 minutes a game. Him and RJ Barrett are leading the league in scoring, uh, not scoring, in minutes played. As per Tibbs teams usually do. And there, Julius Randle, you know, really looking like um, he's taking the next step. 23 points a game, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. He's playing phenomenal. And I don't think this is going to last. This is definitely not going to last, but it's fun that early in the season that the Knicks are playing well and that you, if you ended the season today, if you ended it, they would have a top four MVP candidate. And I'm not even capping. I'm not even capping. Julius Randle has been that good this season. And let's just hope that he's able to um, carry it out for the rest of it. Maybe not 23-12-8, but, you know, 21 points a game, maybe around 10 rebounds, maybe around 5 assists. That would be a very successful season for Julius Randle and the Knicks. Maybe instead of the Julius Randle MVP hype train, let's go over this. Maybe let's have him, you know, most improved player. I know he um, has had a pretty okay NBA season, um, not NBA season, NBA career so far, but he hasn't had like, these massive type of numbers. Even when he was with the Los Angeles Lakers, like the most points a game he had um, in one season was 21. And that wasn't like, when that was on a bad team. If he can, you know, keep up these averages, I think this is the only way he's going to be able to do it. Like maybe average 23, 24 points. Um, points a game, 12 rebounds, and, you know, pretty high assist numbers. I think it's possible that you could put him in most improved, especially if the Knicks continue to win. So, yeah, I mean, this is what's crazy about just um, um, this season in general. You just have had these um, different players, you know, playing at a really high level, and it's all really about just trying to maintain that. So, yeah, this MVP race could be crazy this year, and hopefully, you know, we get... Like, a lot of, like, different, you know, choices here. Because usually it, it turns out to be a two-man race at the end of the year. I told that there's, like, a lot of players that you can, you know, make a case for. Let's move on to this. Um, this is usually the part of the show where I talk about just some recent injuries that happened. And so far, and this week, you know, it's more of the same. There have been some pretty rough injuries that have occurred. We're going to start with um, the one that happened first. Killian Hayes, um, first-round pick, seventh overall pick for the Detroit Pistons, is out for the rest of the season with a torn labrum in his right hip. You know, this has been a definitely a rough start to the career of Killian Hayes. I was a big fan of him um, coming in from France. I know Critical Condition Sports, who was on the show before the season, um, as we were doing our previews, talked about how Killian Hayes, like, he was pretty high on him, and he could be a, you know, Dark Horse Rookie of the Year candidate. And, you know, transitioning to the NBA game, especially from Europe, is definitely hard, and the Pistons were giving him a chance. He was their starting point guard. And although he hasn't had a great start his career, I mean, he hasn't had a great start whatsoever. 4.6 points per game, 28% from the f um, on field goals, and 50% of the free throw line. You know, 
it's just something like you know rookies um, have to go through. You know, hitting this rookie wall, you know, struggling early to find their footing in the league. There's just something that they kind of had to go through. And, like, right in the midst of him, you know, in the struggle, you know, him trying to figure stuff out, he gets hit with this injury, and it's just highly, highly unfortunate. You know, I was hoping to see just some growth maybe throughout the season, maybe have those stats improve, because let's be honest, it's not going to stay like that, especially with, like, a starting point guard in the NBA. It just isn't. And... We just couldn't. We're just not gonna be able to see that. Good thing is he's very young. He is 19 years of age. Hopefully he can bounce back from that, because um, I would love to see him back on the court. But I, you know, I don't want to compare injuries and all that. But this next injury kind of hurt to um see, um, especially just knowing because of all the struggles that this guy has gone through, and now he has to kind of like be back on you know the, you know the medical bed and all that. And I'm I'm talking about Marco Fultz. He had an ACL tear, um, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday, I'm sorry, Wednesday or Tuesday, when he was driving down the lane, he kind of buckled his knee, and you know it was bad, he was grimacing in pain, he was kind of rolling around, it just looked really bad, you know, those non-contact injuries are always, always seem to be, you know, the worst ones. And what's unfortunate about this is that, you know, Marco Fultz was starting to find his place in the NBA. After those rough years early with the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, number one overall pick out of Washington, he was hoping to be, you know, their starting point guard for their future, and he's had those shoulder problems, like, it didn't look like he was going to be able to shoot in the NBA, let's be completely honest, his, uh, like, his jump shot was whack, and he really couldn't stay on the court, especially with the 76ers. They trade him away to the Orlando Magic, he gets a chance at the starting point guard role, and he was starting to figure stuff out, you know. Over the last two years, 12 points a game, 5 assists per a game. And he secured that bag as well. Like, over the offseason, you know, after that rough start to his NBA career, he was able to sign a three-year, $51 million deal. Like, everything was looking on to come up for Marco Fultz, and we were just excited, especially as NBA fans, to see his growth. And now he gets hit with this ACL tear in like, his second season as a starting point guard on this team. And it sucks. I mean, life ain't fair. This is definitely ain't fair. Um, you know, trying to overcome one issue and then being met with another one. It just sucks. It really just sucks for the guy. I really do feel for him. I want to see him back out on the court, you know, doing his thing. And we're not going to be able to see that. But I believe in him. He was able to overcome, you know, all that adverse adversity with um, from the internet. He was able to, you know... Well, you know, improve his jumper. Let's be honest. I mean, he's 73% from the free throw line right now. When, you know, early in, in his career, I'm like, he's going to be a max, what, a 60%? He's going to be a max, like, if you asked me that a few years ago. But he's gone better. And he's, like, definitely, like, have tried to alleviate those issues. And this is just, you know, another barricade in his way. But I do think he will, you know, continue to um, get back, um, hopefully play well again. You know, medicine is fantastic this day, these days, so hopefully he makes a full recovery. And I just can't wait to see him back on the court. I really I really do feel for the guy. Get well soon, Marco Fultz. Let's hope that we can get him back on the court. Let's move on to this. Um, we go from a team who's, let's be honest, the Orlando Magic are overachieving right now. It's been a really easy schedule. I believe they're sitting at, what, 6-3, and 6-2. and two. They're playing really well. And, you know, this is a type of team that's kind of been like that surprising team this year. And this next topic, it's not going to be a surprising team. We're going to be talking about the Lakers. <laughs> and the reason I have to, I, I decided to talk about the Lakers today 
was because we haven't really been talking about them this NBA season. Just because they've been kind of doing their thing. I mean, it hasn't, like, nothing really has stood out with the Los Angeles Lakers. They're just doing ex- exactly what we expect them to do. I mean, it was easy to talk about them in the bubble because they just kept advancing, advancing, and then eventually winning the championship. But this season, you know, we got to look at the other teams, you know, some of the surprising teams, some of these, like, stand-up performers. And then you look at the Lakers, who are, I believe, um, who just dropped to the number three seed in the West, maybe number two seed. And, you know, they're just doing their thing. Like, if you just watch out these, these last few games with the Memphis Grizzlies, barring yesterday because they did lose. But, actually, it wasn't the Memphis Grizzlies game. They faced the Spurs yesterday. But if you look at the past Spurs games, you look at the past Memphis Grizzlies games, they've been close. But when the Lakers need to turn it on, they turn it on when it matters, and they're able to just pull out these wins. And that's what you have to do um, as a good team. Even when things seem dire, like you have the pieces to put you over the top. And this is without, you know, LeBron going full throttle. Same thing with Anthony Davis. I mean, LeBron still near average triple-double, I think 25, 8, and 7 or something like that right now. He's playing at a very high level, but this is not, um, you know, 100% LeBron. We already know that. And he does this, you know, every single regular season. But Anthony Davis is following right now. I mean, 22 points a game as well this season for Anthony Davis. He hasn't been on his best. And a lot of people are trying to um, make the argument for him being MVP this year just because LeBron's going to be taking it easy. But let's be honest. It looks like the whole team is trying to take it, take it easy and just waiting for that moment for when, you know, they need to turn up. And that's just, you know, what they've been doing all season. They're top two in defense, top ten in offense. They're just having another great year. And they just become, you know, that team in the NBA, you know, who has been like a true constant. Every other team kind of has their question marks. Even if you look at the top contenders, the Boston Celtics, I don't like their big, like their big man situation. The Milwaukee Bucks, can Giannis lead a team past the second, like, um, you know, throughout the playoffs? I can just go on and on. The Clippers, you know, will they be able to show up in the playoffs? And the one team that's um, a constant, like in the NBA right now, as to like being that number one um, title contender and not really having that many issues, is the Los Angeles Lakers. And this is why, like, if you like been listening to my you know my Monday podcast, I always have my power rankings, and the Lakers are always seeing me at the top, just because you know there's nothing like I see from them where it takes like I can say that a team can beat them in a seven game series. I really don't, and. This has to do a lot, you know, with the culture they have there. Obviously, having LeBron James, but they, I, I just trust them. Like when they need to turn it on, they'll be able to. And I think that just kind of takes them like a whole level above the rest of these teams. I think there's a like a nice little cluster that's right under the Lakers, you know, as like you know those title contenders. You could throw in the Boston, you can throw in Brooklyn, the Clippers, the Celtics, all that good stuff. But the Lakers are just a whole level above them. And until they can find some consistency, you know, and they can prove to me otherwise, these other teams, I really don't see anyone dethroning the Lakers this year, man. I really don't. And one of those teams that the, you know, the Lakers did beat earlier in the season, and they, actually, no, they, this is a team that they, uh, one of their teams that they lost to, is going to be the next topic, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. And the reason I want to talk to them is I had high expectations for them. If you remember my preseason, you know, prediction for this team, I had him as a fourth seed in the in the West, 
And now while that's still a possibility, they've been underachieving. They really have been. And a lot of that has to do with how poor their defense has been. I thought them, you know, bringing along um, Derek Jones Jr., signing, um, trading for Robert Covington, those things will would have um, kind of improved just because they have, like, these players with them. But it hasn't. They're still ranked, like, what, in the bottom 10, bottom 5 in the, in the league in terms of defensive rating? Like, the offense is there. The offense will always be there. They'll always have a top 10 offense, you know, having Clay, um, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, that's just them two, like, will handle your offense. But the defensive end, they just cannot stop anyone. They really cannot. And I know it's early in the season. I really do. But the thing is, this problem has kind of been persisting over the last few years. And I think at this point, you know, you're not going to be able to trade Covington until probably December, I think, until, like, January or February. You're not going to trade Derrick Jones Jr. You just need those wing defenders. They're highly important. And right now, I'm looking at the big man position. And as much as I like Yusuf Nurkic, he was really good in the bubble, really good pre his injury. He's just not a good defensive center. And at times, you have, like, in the game, you have, you know, him paired up with Melo, paired up with that backcourt. And the defense is just atrocious. And at this point, you know, you gotta just look at the situation if you're the, um, if you're the Portland Trailblazers and say, you know, Nurk might have some value. He still has a couple years left on his deal. Can we trade him for a defensive center? Now, I don't know who who that'd be, but I think that that is something that really needs to be the case. Because as much as Jurkic, Nurkic is a good player, you have Ennis Cantor out coming off the bench, and, that's, and that big man, you know, duo of him and Cantor, they're not stopping anyone. They're really not. And they're going to need, you know, if they want to make a deep run, if they want to have a really good regular season, they're going to need, you know, that defensive big inside to, you know, be a deteriorator because everyone's attacking them at, at any way possible. If you get past that first line defense of Derrick Jones Jr. and Covington, it's basically GG's at that at that point. And yes, they did get the win yesterday. Yes, they're at 500. But they've just been definitely underperforming, and I would like to see them, you know, do well because I had them high up in my rankings. And I, I just wanted to see this team do well. So hopefully they could, um, you know, you know, fix those things. But right now, they have definitely underachieved. Now we're staying in the West, though, with another topic I do want to discuss. And that's going to be the San Antonio Spurs. I haven't talked about them much this year, but um, they've been okay. You know, I think that same as the Portland Trailblazers, they just reached 500. With a good win over the Los Angeles Lakers yesterday, they played really well in that game, and they avoided a you know a four-game losing streak. And now the Spurs are I'm not sure if they're at 500 or just below it, but um, you know they've had some pretty good wins. And I've been liking a lot of their young guys. You know, Keldon Johnson has had a pretty good year this year. Lonnie Walker, when he's been given the opportunity, has had his moments. Um, Hopefully Derek White can come back from that toe injury because I think he would be great to, um, to you know, assimilate him into that front core as well, um, to that young core as well. And they've been playing a lot younger. This is not the Spurs team that we've been used to over these last two decades or so. They are top 10 in pace, and you could tell they're focusing on developing these young guys. And at this point, I can confidently say that Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan are holding them back. Not, you know, the Spurs from getting wins, but from the development of these 
young guys, you know, like I said, Johnson, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, they will, ex- um, you have to give them a chance. That's all you got to say. You got to kind of go all in on this youth movement if you're the San Antonio Spurs because it's just what you need to do long term. As much as I love DeMar DeRozan and Lamar Chaldridge's game, they are meant to be on teams where they're competing for championships, you know, a a typical playoff contender, you know, who is like established themselves, who want to go to the playoffs, who want to um, try and take that next step to the championship. And for the Spurs, it's I don't think that's what you want to do right now. You want to see what you got in those young guys. You know, you drafted that. Um, you drafted um, some I forgot the guy he drafted this year, but you got to go on all in on the youth movement. You know, bring in some picks, bring in some other young pieces to help, you know, with the development of this team. And I know that's all really what the Spurs, I don't know, like, what the Spurs fans really want to happen. Because, you know, Pop is probably in his final years of coaching. And it's been kind of unfortunate because he has, you know, had that 20-year playoff streak. You've seen him win, like, five championships with, you know, Tim Duncan and all them. And this would be a tough way to go out, you know, trusting the young guys and stuff like that. But I think this would just be the best move for the team. I know, like, DeMar DeRozan picked up his player option this year. But I know teams are still going to want him. Or Marcus Aldridge, he's on a pretty big contract. I think he has one or two years left. But he still can contribute to a really good team. And I think that value, like, you're going to be able to get some stuff. You're going to be able to get some picks. You might get some bad contracts. But I think going all in on the shoot movement would just be kind of the best plan of action for these Spurs. And I know that's, like I said, it's not the way you want to see Pop go out. You want to see him, you know, make another run at a championship. But you got to be realistic here. You you have something in these young guys. And you're not going to see, you know, what their full potential can be when you have these veterans such as, you know, Aldridge, DeRozan, even throw Rudy Gay in the mix, who are kind of holding them back. So I think at this point, um, the Spurs, you know, I'm not saying that they won't make the playoffs this year. They could they could easily make it to the play the playing tournament if they play at a high level. But you know, I just think that this is just um, I think it's just time. You know, we don't like saying that the Spurs should blow it up, but I think this is finally the time that they should. Let's move on to one more topic before we head into the game of the night, and I do want to start talking about these rookies. I mentioned in my Christmas episode that you got to um, let these rookies, you know. Take time to develop because this has definitely been, you know, a different process for them. They didn't get the summer league experience. They barely got a training camp. And they've really been thrown into the NBA fire just like right away. And I applaud them because there's some of these rookies that are kind of balling out. Not one really like pulling away from the others. So that got me thinking, who is my rookie of the year so far this year? I have a couple of um, players I do want to discuss here. Um... Some other rookies, um, unfortunately, haven't been really given a big chance in the NBA yet. But these players I do want to talk about have had some opportunities, and I think that it's a pretty close, you know, rookie of the year race. So let's go through this. You know, in my opinion, you know, the favorite right now has to be James Wiseman. 11.3 points per game, 6 rebounds per game. And he just looks like the most NBA-ready player, arguably, because there's someone else on this list I do want to talk about. But he looks really good starting center for for the Golden State Warriors. Um, doing a bit of everything, to be completely honest. And I think that he will be a absolutely valuable piece for them going forward. Or if, um, you know, the, the Warriors still want to, you know, trade him one, once Clay comes back, he'll have some value. But at the end of the day, I still think he's going to be a really good player. 
he able he's able to hit the three, um, go on the boards, catch lobs. I think he's just exactly the big man the Warriors needed. And right now, you know, he's like one of my favorites to win Rookie of the Year. And then there's like a lot of other candidates here. Obviously, we got to talk about, you know, the other two, you know, top picks. Anthony Edwards at number one, Lamelo Ball at number three. I want to kind of group them together here just because they're both in very similar situations. Anthony Edwards actually had a career high yesterday and the loss to the Portland Trailblazers scoring 26 points. But him and Ball are kind of in the same situation. Both on kind of mediocre teams coming off the bench, but, you know, having some sort of production. Edwards, 14 points a game, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Lamelo Ball, basically 12-5-5. I can expect Ball to be starting soon, though, because Devontae Graham, yikes, he's had a bad start to this year. I think he's like under 10 points a game. But, um, you know, him, I expect him to start soon. Anthony Edwards are going to have to, you know, find a way to fit him in. I mean, he still needs to kind of, like, have that kind of that oomph to this game. Maybe, I mean, I haven't really seen, like, much stardom, like, to be completely honest. But he's looking like a pretty good player. I mean, he has, like, all the tools. Let's just see if he's able to put it all together. But, you know, they're both in the same situation. I'm just interested to see how they're going to be able to... You know, when are they going to be able to get their opportunity? And when that time comes, are they going to be able to produce? Because right now, I don't think they're going to be like... I mean, they're going to be up there in terms of rookie of the year voting. Especially coming off the bench producing those numbers. But they're not going to pull away from James Wiseman unless they start. And then there's other two players... There's other, you know, these other two rookies I'm going to discuss. Who... Players like who we weren't expecting to be in this conversation, but have um, proven to be an essential part of their team. The first one being Payne Pritchard, by the way. 8.3 points per game, 2.4 rebounds, 3 assists. Doesn't really look that impressive, but he's already, you know, proving that he's the reliable rotation piece for a contender in the Boston Celtics. He had that game winner over Miami um, the other night. And he killed the Toronto Raptors on Monday when he went off for, like, what, 23, 26 points? He's had a pretty good year, and the Celtics, Brad Stevens, seem to really like this guy. And they don't like they, they feel comfortable with him being the backup guard, which is kind of rare for these um, rookies, you know, getting this opportunity, especially on a playoff team. But he's looked really good. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year, but... Maybe he can sneak into, you know, the all-rookie second team and all that. I think he's he does definitely deserves, you know, some sort of credit for what he's been able to do this year. And the last player I want to discuss is Tyrese Halliburton. One of my favorite players coming into this draft. Um, he was, like, the one player I claimed, like, to be my guy for this draft because I really wanted to see him do well. Seen him on an interview with um, um, with Kenny, um, king of the fourth quarter. He just seems like a really cool guy. Very smart about the game. And... He's definitely translated that onto the basketball court. So far this year, basically 12 points, 5 um, assists, 3 rebounds. And he hasn't looked like a rookie. <laughs> he really hasn't. He looks like a very good complete player who can handle the ball late in games, who can guard pretty good guards. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, how was he? How did he drop to 12? How on earth did Tyrese Halliburton drop to 12? I know he had like a that, like, small injury issue early in the season, but it's good that he came back from that. But... The Kings have something here. They have something in him. And, you know, um, Fox is kind of the backcourt of the future. And what I like about him, he's just so calm. He's so composed. He kind of just knows, like, what he's doing out there. Especially at such a young age. It's very, very... It's a very, very, like, important skill to have. And he's doing... He's playing that role very well for the Sacramento Kings. 
No, but it's the king, so maybe they might mess it up. But I am very um, excited to see what he's going to be able to do um, this season. And just like in his future as well. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And hopefully, you know, he is able to play at a high level consistently. But yeah, leave your thoughts below. Who do you think is going to be Rookie of the Year? Who do you think is going to be MVP? And just any thoughts on any of these other topics? Before we head out, I got to do my game of the night. I am now, I believe, 2-3. and three, Just because the New Orleans Pelicans lost to the Indiana Pacers on Monday night in overtime. Highly unfortunate. But I'm here to bounce back. We have the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Utah Jazz with the Milwaukee Bucks at having the 8-point advantage. They have to win by 8 points or more against the Utah Jazz. The Jazz have had some embarrassing losses this week. And in this game, huh, what do I go with? I think I got to go with the Utah Jazz. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to, like, they probably look at the locker room, they look around, and, and they're like, look, we're supposed to be a West you know, playoff lock. And we're not playing like that right now. And I think that the Utah Jazz will definitely keep it close. I expect a big game from Donovan Mitchell in here. And a good bounce back from Rudy Gobert because he got sunned by Jared Howen a couple days ago. And I think with this thing that's happening with Shaq and stuff like that, he wants to prove those players, um, um, you know, those haters wrong. And I think that he would like to, you know, have a good game against a really good team in the, um, in the Milwaukee Bucks. So, I still think Milwaukee's going to win. You know, Giannis is playing at a, still on an MVP level. They're getting good production from Holiday and Middleton. I think that the Bucks will still win this game. But I think the Jazz will use this to try and, like, look a lot more formidable. And minus eight points is a lot to kind of give up, especially because the Jazz are a playoff team. So, at this moment, I'm going to give the Jazz the... I think they're going to lose by less than eight. So, hopefully they're able to do that and... I can get back to 500 because ah, that was so close. I had the Pelicans in the last one, but you know, the Pacers were able to pull out that win. So good for them. But I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels, like share and subscribe if you're on YouTube and remember to follow at TV on basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some great content. It looks like I'm going to have another guest coming on the show next Friday. So be sure to check that out. Remember to, like I said, Show your support on all the podcast channels on the YouTube so you won't miss that out. I'm going to be back on Monday with another podcast recapping the weekend. And, yeah, just excited for the for the rest of the 78 season. And, you know, fingers crossed, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers situation is sorted out and we can still continue, you know, playing these games. Again, thank you guys for all your support. Hopefully we can continue to grow this channel, this page within the new year. And yeah, I'm just excited for what's to come. So I hope you all have a fantastic day. TV signing out. Take it easy, guys. Peace.